This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ouija boards, holiday murders, and dark creatures that should stay in your nightmares, stepping forth into reality. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the show where real people share their most terrifying camping and hiking experiences, and I narrate them. Today's episode is a continuation of last week's. These are even more cabin stories that will make you trust less and less in those wooden walls and quiet trees outside. If you have your own true and scary camping or hiking stories, send them to me at darkstories.org so I can narrate them. Be sure to rate and follow Camping Horrors on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. And finally, don't forget you can catch more of my scary storytelling at eeriecast.com. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. Holiday Stalker, from Anonymous. This happened to me and my family on our summer holiday. I was on my holiday in Scotland. We have a big lodge there, which we stay in every year. You can walk to the hotel from there and use all of its facilities. So the thing we did every day was go swimming at the hotel. On the fourth day that we went swimming, however, we couldn't help but notice there was a rather suspicious looking guy wearing goggles. He kept going under the water a lot. The man looked to be in his early thirties. To give you a better image of my family, there's me, my 16 year old sister, Mia, my other 10 year old sister, Martha, my aunt and my parents. This guy started swimming underneath us and was uncomfortably close to us. My mom gave us the signal to stay away from the guy. However, he then began to swim towards us again, so we all just got out of the pool. When I got into the changing rooms, my heart sank as I saw him walk in after me. My dad had already left the changing rooms, so I got dressed as quickly as I could and walked straight out of there. When we all met outside the hotel, my little sister said she had to go to the bathroom, but as she started to walk towards it, we all saw the same man from the pool hanging around the girl's room. So my mom went with her as she was getting freaked out by this weird man. She said that once she was in there, a woman in her mid-forties walked in after her. She stood in a cubicle with the door wide open and just stared at my mom for about 10 seconds straight before shutting the cubicle door. After this, we all walked back to the lodge, but we noticed the same woman was following us just a few meters away. 
My family and her both went down different routes, but they all linked up eventually. We watched her from the lodge when we made it back. She seemed to just walk aimlessly between lodges. Then she turned around and started walking towards ours. After that, she walked behind the lodge next to ours. There was a large forest behind our lodge. She just walked straight into it, then was gone out of sight. Now, something I need to explain is that I've never seen anyone go into those woods behind the lodges, because I'm pretty sure they're off limits. Later on that night, we were watching TV. My older sister was in her room, when suddenly she heard a loud knocking on her windows. A quick note, her room was facing the woods. She came and told all of us what was happening, so I came over and opened the curtains for her. It was pitch dark out, and so I couldn't see anything, other than the faint silhouettes of trees. We then all checked outside with torches. Before long, my aunt swore she had found two sets of footprints, walking away and disappearing into the trees. When we called it a day, my dad and I went back outside to check one more time to be safe. We were shocked to find that other people in other lodges had opened their curtains and were now looking around outside too. Suddenly, we heard the sound of a helicopter overhead. It was a police chopper, and it was circling really low around the lodges. If I had to guess, they seemed to be looking for someone. We all were. My dad and I quickly got back inside and locked the doors. We put a jar on top of the door handle, so if anyone tried to open it, the jar would fall to the ground and alert everyone. Skip to the next day. My family was getting ready to leave, as it was our last day there. The house cleaner came over and started to tell us about a break-in, which occurred at the lodge right next to ours. However, in a disturbing twist, it was more than just a break-in because the people who had been staying in that cabin had been found inside, stabbed brutally to death. She said apparently a man and a woman who had been watching the people staying at the lodges were actually deciding who to burgle. But if they were just burglars, why did they have to kill those people? My family and I to this day still wonder about that man and woman who seem to be linked together. And even if it sounds morbid, I can't help but feel happy and lucky that it wasn't our lodge they decided to burgle. Ouija Spirits Summoned a Skinwalker From Rude Boy Nuka One autumn evening, my friend and I found ourselves in the midst of an adventurous night deep in the woods. My friend's family's cabin was a shotgun-styled house with no neighbors nearby for miles. There, we decided to engage in a chilling activity, playing with a Ouija board. At the time, it was between 11.30 and 12. The darkness enveloped us as we gathered around the board, seeking contact with the supernatural. To our astonishment, the planchette on the Ouija board spelled out the name Austin the boyfriend of the friend I was visiting. The atmosphere grew tense as we asked the spirit what it desired. 
with each letter it painstakingly revealed, our unease escalated. The board ominously conveyed a chilling message. For whatever reason, it wanted to kill Austin. D-I-E, it spelled out, sending shivers down our spines. Hastily, we concluded the session and said our goodbyes. The unsettling event left us craving other supernatural experiences, and our curiosity got the better of us. We devised a plan to communicate with more spirits by slipping a paper message under the door of an unoccupied room in the house. Anticipation swelled as we hoped for a response. To our astonishment, we received one. Someone wrote back on the paper, someone once again expressing hatred towards Austin. Alarmed by this, we decided to try to cleanse the place in a desperate bid to rid the cabin of any malevolent energy that seemed to be plaguing it. Obviously, it wasn't a good sign that whatever spirit or spirits here wanted to hurt people. At around 3.15 to 3.30 a.m., I made the decision to leave the unsettling cabin behind. My friend escorted me out to my parked car. It was only about 30 feet away from the porch of the terrifying cabin. As I began to drive, I soon arrived at a crossroads, which was about four miles down the road. My phone suddenly vibrated. It was a video call from my friend. I answered. Their voice seemed to be trembling, and weirdly enough, they asked if I'd come back. No, I've been gone a while now. I'm already about four miles down the road. To my shock, my friend proceeded to inform me that at that very moment, they could distinctly hear my voice just outside the front door, asking to be let in. In a state of confusion and disbelief, I held up my phone to reveal I was indeed in my car at the crossroads, far away from them. In an attempt to validate their claims, they positioned their phone near the front door, allowing me to hear an unsettling imitation of my own voice emanating from the other side. The voice persistently pleaded to be let in, even saying there was some danger outside in a panic, that if they weren't let in, some sort of monster was going to get them. Beyond horrified, my friend adamantly refused to open the door. However, the imitated voice grew increasingly aggressive and menacing. Multiple screams erupted, echoing through the air. It was like whatever was outside had split into multiple entities. The deceptive voice then resorted to a sinister tactic, attempting to lure my friend into the foreboding woods, mimicking my voice still and crying out for help. I sat in my car, paralyzed, helplessly listening to the entire chilling conversation unfold through my car's sound system. Before long, the voice dissipated, leaving us all confused and terrified. To this day, we don't know what that was, but we believe it happened because we dared to mess with the Ouija board. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. 
June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Coraline Closet Creature from Jade H. There's a time in your life, at least once, when you feel terror. And I mean true terror, when your chest feels hot yet also frozen on the last breath you took. Time seems to slow. Your stomach becomes rigid, filling your throat with a silent scream. Maybe you run. Maybe you freeze up. Maybe you'll try to fight. But for those of us who have felt true terror, it becomes engraved in your bones so deep, it seems to change a part of your soul, a part of yourself. That being said, I want to tell you about November 20th of 2006. I grew up in a very Baptist Christian household, and at this time in my life, I was very young and susceptible to influence. When you're going to these kinds of things, there's talk about heaven and angels, and a lot of talk about the threat of hell, of damnation, eternal burning. That's kind of terrifying for an eight-year-old kid. Anyway, my family and I took a flight to Colorado. We'd gotten a small cabin high in the mountains, deep in the woods. We were so high up, my dad needed portable oxygen from altitude sickness. We were pretty secluded, other than the cabin next to us, about three acres away, though it was eerily hard to see through the snow-covered trees and foot-deep buildup of snow on the ground. Our first night was fun. We had a fire and roasted marshmallows and popcorn on long sticks. I had a good time. My two younger sisters and I even built a snowman. 
Now, the inside of the cabin was a very open build. There was a railless second-story loft with two twin beds, and under the stairs was our dad's bed. There was a little TV and an ugly blue floral grandma couch, which smelled like maple syrup. I slept on the left twin bed, closest to the edge and the stairs. My sister Bailey, who was six at the time, slept in the right, safer bed, away from the edge. Our younger sister Grace was only two, so she slept with our dad downstairs. I slept pretty good that night, probably the last good night's sleep I've had since, and I'm 23 now. It all started with some tapping. Early the next morning, I woke up from this annoying tapping sound. It wasn't like a pencil on a desk. It was more like the raspy clasp of something heavy and sharp, flicking its nails against the wooden floor. At first, I thought it was my dad. Honestly, I thought it could be bears too. I was a kid, and we were in the mountains after all. But I was wrong. The tap, tap, tapping, or ras, ras, rasping of that sound made me stay completely still in my bed. I had a habit of sleeping with a pillow on top of my head, so I knew I was pretty hidden. I made the decision to peek through the crack between my bed and the pillow. I looked toward the ledge, the part where someone neglected to put railing. I could see the straight drop-off to the living area and tiny kitchen. The massive windows without curtains really emphasized how alone we were in that cabin, how dark it truly is when you're miles away from city lights and protected by towering juniper and spruce. But there was something there, like a dark silhouette just on the overhang. It looked maybe like a blurred hand, just a few fingers, black in the darkness, gripping the ledge of the loft, tapping an extra-jointed finger. I froze. Nausea and chill froze my body. I held my breath. No, I thought to myself, there's no way I was seeing that. I slowly closed my eyes, and I faced away. It was going to be daylight soon, I usually woke up around 6am, so there's no way I had to wait all night for daddy to get up and sing loudly to us, good morning girls, demons can't be real, monsters can't be real. That's what I told myself. I mean, I was a God-fearing Christian. We sang hymns in the car every time we drove. We went to private Bible school, vacation Bible school. There's no way God would ever let that happen to me, one of his children right? Again, I told myself this over and over, reciting Bible verses in fear, whispering words so silently they came out between breaths. Prayers and verses I thought would make it go away. In my mind, I even commanded the thing to leave me be. I didn't know any better, but I certainly do now. After what felt like hours, but was most likely a few minutes, I felt the air around me go still a bit, the tension dissipating. I got brave and peeked one eye open, as small as I possibly could. It was gone. That weird hand or whatever it was, was gone now. It had gone silently and I hadn't even noticed. I breathed with relief and rolled over to face the wall beside me, 
There was a small wooden nightstand with an old oil lamp, but slightly hidden behind it was a small seam, like the outline of a tiny square doorframe. At that time, Coraline the movie didn't exist, but now I'd say it's very close to the perfect description. The similarity to the movie in these events are astounding. This door was a dark old wooden brown, like the muddy brown color, with deep hollows dark from being burned or stained. Eventually, I fell back to sleep. Later, when the sun finally came up, I talked to my dad about the tiny door. My sisters and I hid downstairs while he investigated. Soon, he called us up to come see it. It was a tiny room similar to a storage closet, with a few gallons of water and firewood inside. Nothing to worry about. Even Grace crawled inside, and Dad took a picture. The second night is where the story truly begins. I was worried about being scared again that night, so I asked my dad to leave a light on for me, so I could see during the night. He didn't like the idea that much, so instead he made a fire in the fireplace and put up the chain guard for extra protection. Then we went off to bed. The fire burned well for several hours. To be honest, I spent more time watching the shadow of the flames dance up the high triangular ceiling than I did sleeping. I wonder now, if I'd actually slept, would I have gone through any of this? Soon those flames dwindled down from sparks and embers to a mere orange hue. I turned away, now facing that ominous tiny door. As soon as I did, I was startled by a tap. That same repetitive sound drilling into my skull once again. But it wasn't coming from behind me, it was coming from in front of me, from behind that door. I thought it was a trick. I thought it was just me imagining something, a small branch shaking just the right part of the roof so that the door snapped. There was no way a monster could come after me. I was saved and protected. And monsters aren't real. Then there was silence. I peered through my cocoon of pillows and blankets, exposing my eyes. I felt I had to see it, to see if it was something or someone. I don't really know what I was thinking. As I opened my eyes, sharp elongated fingers pulled back between the seams of the door and frame. It somehow melted through the tiny crack like an apparition. Suddenly, the door started to shake and a loud scratching sound grinded across the other side of the door. It was so loud, even my sister stirred a bit in bed. I could hear her, or I hoped it was her. The sound behind the door masked it, but I felt in my soul that there was some movement, some presence behind me now. It had to be Bailey. She probably heard it too and was going to run and tell Dad. I hoped she would. Another scraping sound, the sound of talons getting caught in each of the layers of wood. Then the fire went out. All at once, the orange halo of light that outlined the edges of the room disappeared, leaving me alone in the dark. Was my sister there? I swore I could hear movement. I convinced myself that sound was her. Then there was a bang. The door shook 
and at this point I was so still in fear, my muscles cramped, and my breath was shallow. I was probably breathing in and out 20 times a minute. I tried not to breathe at all, though. Another bang. Something behind the door was knocking. It was hitting it, hard, as if someone was hitting it with a fist. Bang, each time I felt myself shrivel up, becoming stiffer and stiller, as if I could shrink myself. Bang, 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 bang. The loud thuds vibrated through the air. I could almost feel my heartbeat match its rhythm. Bang, bang, bang. Would you stop it? Bailey had finally woke up. Her words were followed by silence. I hear another shift and my bed moves. Jade, would you? Her words stopped abruptly and were followed by a deafening scream. She screamed, but I didn't move. I stayed completely still. It wasn't her that had bumped my bed. It wasn't her who I felt sitting at the edge of my feet. Whatever it was, Bailey had seen it, and it was on my bed, and it had been in that tiny closet beside me. My tears overflowed, spilling down my face even though I forced them shut. I didn't want to see that door. I didn't want to see that thing. Bang, the door was pounded on with the force of a football player trying to break it down. The wood bowed and bent from the immense power of it. Bang, bang, bang. Something inside me, something I couldn't control, caused me to start reciting Bible verses again. Through shaky breaths and shock-filled tears, I prayed. More movement on my bed. Bang, bang, bang. Then stomping came from the stairs, followed by... What's going on up here? My dad. My prayers had worked out, but I couldn't sigh with relief yet. I continued my desperate pleas. I couldn't keep my body completely still anymore. I was shaking. Every muscle in my body contracted at different times. I felt as if I was vibrating from fear, from the pain of my stillness, from that thing. That thing that had now slowly made its way to my side. Its claws had kept getting caught on the knitted quilt above my thick comforter. I'd felt it pull away at it a few times. Another bang. My heart sank. After that last bang, there was a change. A pop or a click. I couldn't figure out what the sound was. I looked. Two deep, sunken-in eyes, hollow and black, surrounded by what could have been a face but it was too pale, maybe just white. A face that seemed to have no blood flowing through it. In that moment, I believed it was a demon, that the devil himself was looking me in the eye with an overgrown or maybe cut out mouth, making it curve all the way up to the high cheekbones beside its eyes. I knew it had teeth, I could tell, and I knew they were sharp. Whatever it was, the thing smelled, and it was thin. Behind its head, I could see some sort of black hair-lined sash or coat that had been decaying over time. But those eyes, they were like craters, with dark spiraling layering in the middle. Two once-human eyes, bloodshot with cat-like irises. Not in the sense that they're slit, but more like the red-yellow flash they make when you shine a light into them. In a split second, it leaned away from me, 
taking one last pause before zipping across the room. It sounded like it leapt to the floor, but I couldn't tell. I was stuck there in shock. My eyes stared forward, just as they had been when it was there. But now that it had moved, that tiny door was in clear view. It was open, not too wide, but enough to see inside. There was a loud scuffle. My sister and dad screamed. I still stared at the opening behind the door, and out of the darkness, two shining eyes peered back at me. My dad grunted and yelled. I could hear a thud downstairs, followed by the front door crashing down. Apparently, whatever that thing was, it had tackled my father, clawing a gash across his chest before tumbling off the edge of the loft to the floor below. The creature busted out of the door. My dad had fallen with it and was knocked out. Bailey wailed and cried. I could hear Grace downstairs in bed screaming, babbling about, Daddy, wake up, or Daddy, oh no. I could feel the freezing winter air blowing through the cabin, but I didn't move. I didn't blink. I stared back at those eyes. We were there for hours, Dad still unconscious, and Bailey had somehow managed to grab the radio or a phone and call for an emergency response. We were so snowed in by then, the national park nearby had to plow the road twice to get to us. One truck had somehow stopped working. They blamed the cold or maybe battery issues. I don't remember. By the time the second snowplow had made its way to our street, my two sisters had crawled into Bailey's bed with all of what was left of the blankets. They'd kept themselves going with hot cocoa powder, Cheez-Its, and a jar of peanut butter. A two-year-old and a six-year-old left to fend for themselves with a half-conscious dad. And there I was, their older sister, still frozen in the same exact place. I never looked away. The park rangers came in, taking off their jackets, trying to wake up our dad without much success. But he was still alive. They started a fire and placed the door in the open doorway on top of a small pile of snow that had accumulated there. When the police and ambulance finally arrived, there were helicopters flying above us. I could hear the blades chopping the air, making the tree branches snap and shake. The last thing I remember was being pulled onto a stretcher, my gaze torn away from that thing in the dark. My family and I never talk about that cabin. We don't discuss what happened that night. Now as an adult, I'm not so religious anymore, but I still celebrate the earth and practice spirituality. I have a few ideas as to what it could have been, but it doesn't really matter. Sometimes I still see those long clawed fingers curled around a door frame before evaporating away. Maybe one day, I'll really find out what it is. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails. And be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.